When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello there, internet wanderers. Welcome to another episode of Real Psych. I am Dr. J.D. Barton, and I am a licensed clinical psychologist. And I am Dr. Joanna Witkin, and I am a cognitive neuroscientist. Real Psych is a new podcast where we share our gorgeously thoughtful opinions on the psychological phenomena playing out in all of your favorite movies. J.D., will there be learning? Uh, I guess... Will there be science? Maybe. Will there be delightfully informal, explorational, informational conceptualizations from two best friends who would be talking about this anyways? (laughs) Do what you want. I don't need a (laughs) play-by-play. Oh, that was so good. (laughs) Thank you. I went with like 2004 slang. Like Rizzeal, Sizike. Yeah. Klizinical. Yeah. Your ad-libbing made me nervous because I I felt like I had to... (laughs) It does. It tends <laughs> it tends to do that. Maybe nervous like I can't ad lib. Oh no, he's changing the script on I the didn't fly. Though. I followed it. Here's you the did. thing. I'm a team player. I know how to support <laughs> I know how to support who I'm with, you know? I'm not gonna <laughs> I'm not gonna derail it completely. There was that time I tried to do that foghorn leghorn accent and that went real real <laughs> real that went south pun. <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm not good with on like spontaneous changes to things that we have carefully written out in advance. <laughs> Isn't that such an interesting and surprising fact about me? Right. And I'm actually better at completely unprepared, just showing up and doing <laughs> things. Is that surprising to anyone? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, how you doing? I'm okay. How are you doing? I'm okay. I was just saying we actually had half a conversation before we got like, on save here. It. We were like, we were like, let's save that. Actually, <laughs> ABR always be recording. Yeah. Um, no, I uh, Los Angeles had an earthquake uh, this morning, and I uh, was saying to Joanna that like it was weird because the earthquake happened, and it and it woke me up, but it took. It was at like two o'clock in the morning. So it was like d- d- deep sleep for me. Like I was in peak, peak deep. And it took such a strange amount of time for me to realize it was an earthquake that was happening. But then it stopped and I was sitting there still trying to figure out if it was an earthquake, but my heart was pounding. And so we were talking about this sort of like conscious versus unconscious like reaction. Like, like a decoupled, like conscious versus physiological kind of thing. Yeah, Yeah. my heart was pounding and I was sitting there mentally being like, what what, what was that? And truly just like out of my chest. Yeah, wild. Cortex versus neocortex. That happens to me because of hormones. I feel like, I don't know if this is like a pregnancy specific thing or like a, I'm just like hypervigilant, but- um, We did talk about that on the podcast. Yeah, I think uh, like if I hear noise, certain noises, um, wh- one of the big ones is like if I feel like I hear my dog, uh, like in any kind of potential distress, and it's not always happening. It's sometimes like in my head, but if I like feel, you know, it's like instantly I'm awake yeah, and I'm like just on it and, I, you know, like totally gets me out of it but sometimes yeah i'll wake up with like my heart racing i think that's hormones though it's the moans <laughs> and i'll be like that's fun i'm so sleepy <laughs> so yeah it's real our bodies and our brains being both one and two distinct <laughs> that yeah. mind body it's connection. like us as co-hosts <laughs> <laughs> We really are one, but also 
two distinct entities that work together to form a single gorgeous product. Mostly in beautiful harmony. Sometimes I don't understand what accent you're doing. And (laughs) I'm up here. I'm up here. (laughs) And you'll be down here. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, What a pick, Joanna. This is fun. This I like needed this choice. Yeah. I watched it last night, like a, a tight hour and a half. It was really nice. Well, yeah, one thirty-seven. It is. Yep. It is quick. <laughs> Do you know? Fun fact that I noticed while watching this film, um, I noticed a bunch of things that I'd never noticed before. Mm-hmm. One of my favorites, though, was that. Did you notice who plays Jennifer Garner's dad? I recognize him from Parks and Rec. He played the principal in election that we did last yes, week. Right, right, yes. right, right. Yes, so he we did. Got a, we got a two-peat. And then another fun crossover that I didn't realize is there are two Avengers in this. Mark Ruffalo. Right. Hulk, and and um and Brie Larson. Brie Larson, yeah, yeah. As yeah. one of the six chicks, as like a young teenage girl. Yes. I was thrilled that Captain Marvel was in this movie. Also, wow, really shocking to realize that, like, I consider those two, like, I know Brie Larson is, like, a younger Hollywood person, but they are peers to me, and I'm like, he is 25 years older than her. (laughs) Yeah, he's a full adult, and she's definitely a child, yeah. Yeah, he is a grown, a grown, grown man. Yeah, those were my, like, favorite little cameos. Also, yeah. Whoever, and we'll talk about this as we get into the like summarization. Um, but the young girl that they get to play, young Judy Greer, I've never clocked as like doppelganger. I was shocked, yes. I and then they make jokes that that she's had a bunch of plastic surgery later on, and I was like, exactly like her, identical. Yeah, I don't know if it's they like studied together, like mannerisms or something, in addition to just having extreme likenesses but like yeah i was like how how did they get someone who's so you can easily picture like i feel like they talked about jennifer garner having a nose job because her nose is different from the the child actor right right um but they look similar enough that you're like they okay. look similar enough yeah yeah that yeah i was like i'd never really taken note because everybody talks about the you know Krista Allen looking mm-hmm. like Jennifer Garner and being right. like okay yeah 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 sure yeah sure but in this I was like that is Judy Greer like that is yeah literally Judy Greer I yeah I had the same reaction I also really enjoyed the music it was like yeah. a little time capsule of both time periods yeah uh absolutely I hated all the shoes like, well, 2004 was a terrible time for fashion. Ugh. And it's I mean, besides that, besides that iconic through the dress. lens right. of that dress is heinous. But it's like iconic. Iconic, sure. But it's iconic for being like what a 13 year old would choose to wear as a 30 year old. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. It's vile. Which of which I was like, no, I wasn't 13, but I was like around closer to 13 than 30 in 2004. Yes. And so yeah. I was like very into it. Yeah, I mean, yes. This movie yeah. starts the year you were born. Yep. Which was funny because it was 17 years and it's a year after I was born. And it's the year, it's all about the class of 2004. And that's when I graduated high school. Yeah. I'm the class of 2004. It's me. I'm the problem. It's me. Hi. <laughs> um, I also, Jennifer Garner. You so know, A of all, J-Lo cameo. On yes, those covers, several magazine love covers, that. Jennifer Lopez. Uh, but I, Jennifer Garner, the sincerity that she, I don't think she gets the props. Like Reese is getting a lot of props for, for like post, post thing for like Legally Blonde or right. even Election. Jennifer Garner has the same level of talent and commitment, I yeah. think, to adult Jenna Rink. Yes. She I always totally plays agree. the seriousness and never plays the joke, which is like mm-hmm. what makes, you know, Elle Wood so special. It's what makes Tracy Flick so special. It's what makes Jenna Rink so special. Totally agree. She never is trying to tell you a joke. Yeah. She's always just deeply sincere. And sincerity is funny. 
Right. I've never been sincere a time in my life, which is why nobody's <laughs> ever laughed at a thing that I've said. <laughs> but yeah. No, since- they have. It's just for different reasons. <laughs> <laughs> so rude. <laughs> um, what a star. Uh, yeah, I, I've, I mean, I've always really liked her. I think like she's, she's always very, you can tell she just like works very hard at her job. She's and, just like a nice person. Yeah. And she doesn't shine like, she just shines so brightly in this, yeah. in this movie in a way that's like, you are a rom-com goddess. Star. She, yeah. this is just a total, uh, a total like side note about Jennifer Garner, but my friend, Michael Sean Breeden uh, has a podcast with another friend, Rebecca King Ferraro called conversations on dance. So if y'all are really intense ballet nerds, I highly recommend conversations on dance. It is a very successful, like it is the preeminent ballet world podcast. Mm-hmm. They're both uh, you've met both of them in Miami, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, they became my friends when they were dancing in the Miami city ballet. And they started this podcast when they got toward retirement age. And their podcast was pretty successful. And out of the blue, they get a DM from Jennifer Garner that's like, hey, can I be on your podcast? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and they were can you like, imagine? yeah, <laughs> yes, <laughs> Jennifer Garner, you can come and talk about ballet on our podcast. And like, that's who she is. Like, she yeah. just is like, and she was just like, I just love what you all have to say. I'd love to be on an episode. Can I be on an episode? That's amazing. Do you follow her on Instagram? Yes. She just like posts cute videos that she finds sometimes. And I'm like, it's really great. It's like the best baking content. Yes. She does really good cooking and baking. It's so cute. Yeah. She's so sweet. What a dream. Also, other name drop is when I first came to LA, I joined an acting class. Very similar to the show Barry, where like we all sort of like really praised this like teacher. And the teacher was also a manager and he managed a bunch of the like more successful people in the acting class. Mm-hmm. One of the people in that acting class was Krista B. Allen. And so I got there and was like, that's the girl from 13 going on 30. I've made it. Like I'm successful. <laughs> yeah, you're like in the talented. same room. Dang. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, now she's like a TikTok star. Mm-hmm. Um, although problematic because uh, a lot of, like her most successful TikTok um, is- Is her wearing the dress from this movie, right? That's one of them. But the other one is um, she took a, a stand-up comedian who was playing the piano and wrote a song about the um, the time that NASA sent a woman into space mm-hmm, for a week mm-hmm. and they put her in space her with 100, 100 tampons. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And she did a lip sync to that, but never credited the comedian. So I've got some yikes. I've got some some yikes to say there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, <laughs> as somebody with a podcast where we're constantly just like naming studies and being like. <laughs> Next. <laughs> we do our best. We try to name people. Yeah. Citations I'm... are available. I have like detailed notes and like, you know, upon yeah. request. Yeah. I name things I at have the beginning receipts. usually. Yeah. You, I think you um you do a good job. I try to. Of, of doing that more than I do. Because I have a deep-seated fear of plagiarism. It wasn't until like, I'm not kidding, probably a year after I defended my dissertation that I was like, JD, you didn't cheat. No one's ever going to come for that paper. <laughs> like I was like, just like the fear of like, because y'all plagiarism is so intense. You can plagiarize yourself. Like, yeah, there are really, like yeah. rules and law. And like, it's not that I cheat. They really like, scare I was like, you oh, about I, it too. I, I copied this paper. It's like, no, no, no. My fear is that I said a sentence that someone else has already said, but I didn't properly cite them for saying it in the right way that I did it. It's not even like in, in, in academia, you, you learn to fear a form of plagiarism that is just like accidental. Mm-hmm. that like really holds a grip on you. And it was like a year after that. I was like, JD, you worked really hard to not plagiarize that paper, which means, which means you're never, no one's ever going to take your doctorate away. <laughs> like it's you're just like clutching to it at night. It's just terrifying. Like you yeah, just spent so much is, time they, so scared. They make you so afraid. They make you it. so afraid. And it's not until after you've already like written and defended and edited your dissertation that then they run it through a plagiarism checker. Yeah, they run it through and it's one of those things where it's like, why not make people do that before they propose, before they defend, like before each stage in order to set your appointments. We're just changing academia here. Nobody cares about this. But <laughs> if they did it beforehand, anyways, 
my don't worry y'all my dissertation is on the internet it has passed all of the plagiarism checks i did not nobody's worried Nobody just me. Was it's like yeah. so scary. <laughs> you spend your whole life is, being scared of that. Is. Anyways, I've given it up. What happens in this movie? Okay, let's talk about it. So we open on Jenna Rank, the main character, played by Krista B. Allen. And uh-huh. she is 13. She's in high school. She has a best friend named Maddie. She's a little bit insecure and, uh, 13. you know, and 13 and uh, wants to be liked by this clique of popular girls called the Sixes. The right? Six Chicks. The Six Chicks. And um, she's having a birthday party. And the Six Chicks are, you know, really uh, keeping her at arm's length, kind of bullying and being not cool. Um, you know, th- essentially, they're like, well, we can't come to your birthday party because we have to work on a report. And... Jenna Rank is like, well, I'll just write it for you. And like, great, we'll come over then, you know, just to get her to like do their homework. It's a very like run of the mill, like middle school butthole narrative where it's Mm -hmm. like just being clearly like, you know, from the beginning that like she's manipulative and terrible. Right. Right. Also, as we said earlier, the spitting image of Judy Greer. Mm -hmm. Also Brie Larson has -hmm. like two lines Um, and Ashley Benson. Yes, Ashley Benson. That's how I was. I forgot her name. Yeah. From Pretty Little Liars. Um, LLs. But yeah, so then she has her birthday party. They show up. Maddie is also there, her, her genuine best friend who like right. is Who's the like butt just, of a lot of jokes. And, and he's just like a sweet guy. He's yeah. like not interested They're in next the politics of middle school. Right. Yeah. And he just thinks the world of her, but she really wants to be cool. Mm-hmm. Were you ever like that? No, I don't think I, I mean, I was definitely like very concerned with what people like, like what people thought of me. And there was a lot of like, uh, concern and obsession over like being, I guess, liked by my friend group, but I wasn't trying to actively, cause I think the, my school was kind of small, so I didn't have super well-defined, like there was, you know what I mean? Like the popular people weren't like people who I wasn't friends with some of them already or you know like yeah but i had my group of friends and so i was like very concerned about is anyone mad at me you know like today like i am today yeah Yeah. (laughs) like normal (laughs) i was very preoccupied with popularity impressing the cool kids i my (laughs) i I would think that you were one of the popular not in middle school okay not in middle school i was like middle of the pack like harmless like sliding funny but Mm -hmm. like by the end i was never the cool cool person uh but i was well liked and i was funny i was never like you get beer with jd and like shred on the weekends or whatever people do on the weekends what is Uh, shredding i don't don't know know. just like doesn't it sound like (laughs) what popular kids would do they just shred on the weekends yeah, that means yeah. I mean it sounds yeah. good. And uh but I in in high school when um Avril Lavigne's song Complicated, which is all about <laughs> when somebody does say what no Jenna more does. Right. <laughs> My friend Catherine listened to that song and was like, This song actually reminds me a lot of you. <laughs> and I was like, that is so mean also i was like a closeted like high schooler yeah. trying desperately no, like, to be popular like of course i was fake around people constantly right. i was constantly being like like me please please like me please like me i'm going to hell please like oh, me. Gosh. yeah so i i, I really re- uh relate to jenna in this i also had not developed breasts <laughs> um and uh yeah so she really wants to be cool and she you see her sort of like uh, pushing Maddie aside a little bit when the cool kids are around and Maddie is willing to like tolerate it until they come to her party and their buttholes and they make her do seven minutes in heaven where they blindfold her with Horrible a scarf line. that exactly matches the eye mask that she wakes up with. Oh, I didn't notice that. Yes. The scarf oh, around her funny. neck matches the eye mask. Anyways, she goes in to do seven minutes in heaven where Chris Grandy is going to kiss her, which what a good middle school crush name. Chris Grandy. Yeah. Like it's also always... brilliant cameo by Jim Gaffigan. Brilliant later. cameo by Jim Gaffigan. Gross. Yeah. Brilliant. Um, but she is waiting for seven minutes in heaven, which also like, yuck, that is not even the, the way she describes it is like very upsetting. Very upsetting. It is yeah, it is a salty. And um 
goes in. They all leave her party. They take snacks. Yeah. It's like, come on, man. That's like That's so bold. Just take all the plates of food. Yeah. Also, Jenna, you only have one friend and you invite one friend and then the six most popular girls in school. Like you got to diversify your party a little bit. Like right. you got to fill out. We need background actors, you know? Yes. Right. Um. Anyways, uh, they leave. Uh, oh, he also gave her this like house with magic wishing this dust. A, this is a huge integral part. A huge integral part that I may have skipped. <laughs> he gives her this like Barbie dream house, but it's a Jenna dream house and it's very cute and it's very like sentimental and he puts magic wishing dust on it. Does he or is that just part of it somehow? Like you think he's, the, I just, the magical components of this movie, I'm like, who like how did he have that in his possession was he aware that it was magical hot like does this count as a (laughs) sci-fi does this count as (laughs) a fantasy where who owns this magic and you know what's the source and women who is who is aware of it you know women in their 30s i think more likely the house fell on her head and she had a (laughs) bit of Or, or she like got, the, the trauma. She got the glitter in her eye. Yeah. The trauma. Oh, that's so Raven. Yeah. Right. Or the, the trauma, either physical or emotional trauma of the situation triggered a dissociative <laughs> episode. Which, listen, listen, it could. Um, okay. Although the ending is weird. You were going to be late for what? Our wedding. Because um, d- did they skip it again? Did they then skip it together? Did she just get to skip puberty? And also, I that college? was just a flash forward. Uh, no, it was. But that's what the line <laughs> he says. She's like, "Come with me. We're gonna be late." And he's like, "For what?" And then they walk out, and it's their wedding. We skipped all the way to the end. Oh, uh, anyway. <laughs> but so she has this thing. Uh, she makes a wish. She tells Maddie to get out. She makes a wish. She that wants she can to be, be 30, 30 flirty, flirty and, and thriving. thriving. Yeah. It's like, listen, I am 30 and flirty and it's not going great. <laughs> so I'm 30 flirty and surviving. You are thriving. You are getting there. I mean, today's a, today's a rough one. Y'all JD mm-hmm. had a stomach bug this morning. Yeah. But thanks to the power of Zofran and peppermint tea. Here we are. Yeah. At least pre thriving, like an active pre thriving mode. I'm in active. Uh, yeah, I'm in pre-contemplation of thriving. Um, <laughs> anyways, spoiler alert. She gets zapped to the year 2004 and wakes up as Jennifer, Jennifer Garner. Garner. Yeah. Lucky. <laughs> like, keep, like it literally like when she catches herself in the mirror and she screams, I would be like, I'm gorgeous. <laughs> right. I'm like, oh, wait. Is I'm not that, that mad. Me? <laughs> I mean, Krista she- B. Allen is also stunning she's also yeah, no, really she's super cute but it's just like if you grew up and you were like all i don't know i would be psyched looked like jennifer looked like a literal movie star yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah that'd be great this is right just before uh ben affleck fell in love with her he was still right. like jen pez at this point um anyways uh so she's 30 flirty thriving she she discovers through, you know, hijinks ensues of like, what's that noise? What's a cell phone? Which I like that they address. Who is Judy Greer? Yeah, right. I also really got a kick out of the, is he an Arthur or a Martha at the end? And she's like, what does that mean? Is he gay? And she's like, what? Gay? Are you gay? Like the very like just genuine shock like i don't know the way that she played it was just so, so funny. funny which also like coming out of 1987 being like how's that going yeah <laughs> did it get better um <laughs> anyways so she discovers that she is an editor at poise magazine where she always wanted to work the originator of the 30 flirty and thriving the originator of 30 flirty and thriving mm-hmm. that judy greer tom tom the head of the six chicks is her sidekick now right and her boss is played by Gollum. Yeah. Okay. So I was like, is that the same Andy Circus? That is Andy Circus okay. pre glow. Fascinating. Up. Fascinating. This is deep in the Gollum years. Yeah. Which, side note, my cousin is a visual effects artist. And he one time was <laughs> did such a great rant about how he's like, everybody talks about how Andy Circus must be so incredible to do Gollum and to do Planet of the Apes. He's like, you know who's incredible? All the visual effects artists who made those movies possible. (laughs) Uh, So good. 
Anyways, so Andy Serkis is her boss. Poise Magazine is struggling. She has a hot hockey boyfriend. In her panic, she's like, I got to find Maddie. He's Mm -hmm. my guy. Yeah, that's the only person that she, like, trusts in her 13-year-old self. Right. And her parents who are on vacation. Those are literally they the wanted a cruise like, without me. <laughs> yeah. Like she reaches out to the only people that she trusted when she was 13. Right. Of course. Which is, you know, adorable. Also, she, I mean, she reaches sense, out a yeah. little bit to not totally to Lucy, but they're friends. Tom Tom. What a cute middle school nickname, by the way. Yeah. Really. Like that's actually very chic. Yeah. And like her name is not like there's not. I a don't Tom know where it comes from. Right. Her name. Yeah. Um. Anyways. And so she uh, she goes, she finds Mark. And, and all of a sudden, good news for Maddie. He turns into Mark Ruffalo. Yeah. Lucky. Doing good. Lucky. I think even um, Judy Greer like, mentions it. Yeah, she does. She, she sure him. does. <laughs> He's real dreamy. Yeah. Um, and he turns into Mark Ruffalo. Lucky guy. Also, mm-hmm. like, now you can really change your investment portfolio strategy in 1987, Jennifer Garner. <laughs> um, no offense to the actor who plays young Maddie. Just, you know, we'd all like to turn into Mark Ruffalo. Right. Um, anyways, uh, he's, th- we discover they're not close anymore. And the rest of this movie is like four plot points. <laughs> yeah, it's just basically like, oh, actually, Jenna Rank has, you know, done a lot of things to get to where she is that are like really not great has foregone like yeah like she's really sneaky she cheats like or sleeps with like her co-workers husband she is plotting to like there's like a mole you know there's like a rival magazine and she's like very central to that um she has a very tenuous frenemy ship with yeah lucy that is you know super toxic and um yeah it just like she she's kind of in her 13 year old naivete like it's just looking around at this life that she's created that looks really nice and like everything that she she wanted wanted. Mm -hmm. and is like i have made horrible like choices to get here and the and you know one of the the greatest of which being that maddie has you know fallen love fallen in love with and committed to someone else and he's gonna marry her and yeah, I mean, actually, their lives. The thing have... I kind of like about this movie is like the magazine. The, so they have to redo the magazine and all this stuff, but the magazine goes under. Yeah. And Maddie marries the other girl. Right. Like and there are consequences granted, yeah. to these choices. She can't just fix it. Right. But good news, she sure doesn't have to stay 30. <laughs> um, <laughs> but y- y'all have seen this movie. You don't need us to like break down the plot points. I will say, um, few little highlights for me were um the woman being like or lucy being like oh look how hot um that guy over there is that's checking you out <laughs> and she goes and hits on like a 13 year old boy right because developmentally she's like and she's- i remember this distinctly like there was a time when i was an, a teenager and i remember like <laughs> i was very obsessed with josh hartnett yeah, yeah, yeah. And he had like there was one of the posters. I had like a whole Josh Hartnett poster wall. I, I know this about you. And um, there was one photo that was of him where like he had he was shirtless and had like his like an overcoat that was mm-hmm. kind of open. Yeah, I know this picture. Uh-huh. Yes, and there's like a little Very bit of like a, a happy trail. Yes, <laughs> and I I'm <laughs> positioning all of my photos of him so that I didn't have to look at it because if it grossed me out and I hated it. Like I was like, no, like boys are hairless, you know, like that's like the boys that I think are cute. And he was like a man. Cause he was like 24 yeah, or like in his twenties. And, uh, but yeah, like, and then there's like a very distinction, like when I became an actual adult was like, oh yeah, you know, that's normal. And like, fine. <laughs> and her line when she's like, what do you want to go to jail? And she's like, I was talking about that guy. She goes, oh, that man, you gross. <laughs> <laughs> I like really related to that. Yeah, totally. That yeah. I will say also that middle school boy that they cast is exactly like middle school boy like dreamboat. Oh, I would have like, been in love with him if exactly, I was that age. Yeah. What, uh uh what's it called? Broad not Broad City. What's the Pen 15 also mm-hmm. did an amazing job casting like <laughs> yeah. children where you're like in middle school, that kid like slay. He is like, the popular one. Yeah. 
is the one that can totally. the one and they're like with the, fan, with the music <laughs> music is so good totally uh jennifer garner though i mean even in that moment of like um can i borrow your ketchup <laughs> like, so perfect yeah, like, i'm just kidding i actually came over here because i thought you're really cute and he's like cool you want to go out sometime because <laughs> who what 13 year old boy would not yeah yeah also it is weird that she's so in love with rick springfield um yeah jesse's girl and like i love when he's like this is where rick Spr- you know the bum rick springfield can hang out but he got to keep your, his hands off you and i was like yeah please hands off her <laughs> yuck um yeah so funny there's this movie has so many good sweet little lines funny little moments of her just really <laughs> playing it up like yeah she, because she's so she's so earnest and genuine in her yeah. portrayal of this i think it's just so enjoyable to watch um even though like in this timeline or whatever in this which we spend the majority of the movie and things do not work out for her no. you know and so it's it's but then they like you know time is a construct and right you know, time is whatever this movie is not real there's she magic dust backward in time mm-hmm. and she kisses maddie in the weirdest kiss in of screen history it's a bad kiss but it's I a mean, 13 year old's kiss yeah like, like they're doing their best they're do- which honestly probably pretty realistic oh yeah um for those who were popular enough to get kissed at 13 yeah it was, was definitely not not nope yeah um, it's fine. We're doctors now. We didn't need <laughs> kissing at 13. I'll actually it made me stronger. The first day of sixth grade, which is like the middle school years, uh, the high school buses would get out first. So the high school bus would go and pick up the middle schoolers. And I and, and I remember watching two, two people who were in seventh grade, two women who were in seventh grade, go and kiss their high school. I think they were like ninth grade, like boyfriends. And they like made out like with tongue and i'm in sixth grade i was in fifth grade two months earlier like i'm in sixth (laughs) grade and i am watching these people like french kiss and i just remember being like i am not ready for middle school (laughs) like like, no no and they were like i just remember being like they were they must be so cool one of them i don't she actually might listen to this we're facebook friends and things she's a lovely person and i think i've told her this story in high school but her name was summer dombrowski like name a more popular name no that's the name that girl is destined to be popular a name like summer dombrowski good luck yeah also she was beautiful yeah well she has to be with that name she was really nice i always had a (laughs) lovely time uh but yeah i just remember as a kid being like her name is Summer Dombrowski. And she's got a <laughs> high school boyfriend. Anyways, we will talk about some of that teen angst uh, after this break. I'm going to tell yeah, you all we'll some right facts back. about love. I love that. I'm, I'm excited love, about that. What are you going to talk about, Joj? I'm going to talk about self-esteem and peer pressure and a little bit about regret. Great. Just the, yeah. way, the way in which you underpinned that with some nervousness, like it was such yeah. a sincere, like it really drove home the point <laughs> yeah. of what you're trying to say. It's the topic and the sentiment. Exactly. <laughs> we deliver it all here at Real Psych. <laughs> we'll be right back. We will be right back. Messages. Bye. Bye. we're back we are back we're back all right shall we about some get into it okay yeah so I did some research on, I mean, essentially you see Jenna Rink, like, you get a snapshot of who she is at 13, which is this, like, insecure, um, wanting to, you know, mm-hmm. make friends and, and mm-hmm. very suggestible to, like, you know, the, one of the big things, like, the quotes that you said earlier on about, I don't need a play-by-play. Yeah. Like, the six chicks literally said that about Maddie. And then she, yes. you know, it's a callback later at the party and, and they really 
get a kick out of her quoting them back to, to them. Yeah. Um, and so I did some research on basically adolescence and um, self-esteem and social influence or peer pressure. Mm-hmm. And so just like across the age spectrum, a lot of this is very like unsurprising, but um, basically social influence is or people are most uh, susceptible to social influence or peer pressure in late childhood, approximately eight to 10 years. I'm getting this from an article by folks uh, at all from 2018. Okay. Um, but yeah, saying that it, it kind of peaks in late childhood, about eight to 10 years old, and then gradually decreases across the adolescent years from 11 to 18. And uh, into an adulthood where it's generally much less than the first two kind of stages. Mm-hmm. Um, and they see this this influence or this you know peer pressure effect um, for both risky behavior and pro-social behavior. I came across like Stephen suggesting like, you know, volunteering or like doing positive things like yeah, yeah. Can be kind of you know, so it's like, um, what are, what is it like parents always say about like, you are who your friends are or like, you know, your friend group um, can be like extremely influential on like what you do, especially during your, your adolescent years. The only thing I remember is um, my grandpa used to say, you can pick your friends and you can pick your nose, but you can't pick your friend's nose. (laughs) When you said it, you were like, what's that thing parents say? And I just remember my grandpa Barton saying that. (laughs) So, yeah. So, you are the sort you, of. like you are the <laughs> the product of, of like behavior. who you yeah, surround yourself yeah. with or something. Yeah, yes. there's like some I don't know some whatever. Yeah, somebody um, y'all DM us and tell us what that saying yeah, is. Especially like having an immigrant parent. Like I never got anything told to me in the right ways. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was all uh, yeah. Anyway, so um, so. For both pro-social and risky behavior, a lot of the literature focuses on risky risky behavior just because there's that's associated with a lot worse kind of life yeah, yeah, yeah. and health outcomes. Um, there was like an interesting study that looked at a simulated driving game and okay. had adolescents um, like assessed how often they took risks. And they were much more likely to take risks in this driving game when watched by friends, um, then other totally. types of, you know, then, then other yeah. individuals like adults, um, yeah. and then adults did not exhibit this behavior. And interesting. so, I, yeah. So I thought that was interesting, um, until you think about like really what's going on developmentally, because we know that, you know, your frontal cortex is not com- like fully finished developing until you're about 25. Mm-hmm. Um, and, the frontal cortex is really important for things like impulse control right. and behavioral inhibition. Yeah. Um, and also with dampening the impact of your like limbic system or your emotions, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So the impact that your emotions have on your behavior um can be can be kind of modulated or attenuated yeah. through you know activation of your frontal lobe yeah and so we see that, mm-hmm, all that we, up see, there. we see that adolescents are kind of at this like particular uh sweet spot of um not having that frontal lobe like fully that's responsible for inhibition impulse control that's you know fully uh developed and they also have um their dopaminergic reward system, uh-huh. like the ventral striatum, is super hyper responsive yeah, during yeah, adolescence. Yeah. And so they're really, you know, seeking reward, uh, especially, you know, this system is implicated in so many things like substance abuse and just any kind, you know, gambling, like all of these things. Um, and so you have like a, a highly sensitive reward system that's kind of being developed and they not developed impulse control system right so you're at this kind of like totally very sensitive time where you're willing to take more risks and willing to do that when you're around your peers yeah, more so especially. than other types of people yeah. um and so you know that's sort of related to like what we're seeing here we also see there's some research um by zimmerman 
and kind of like older research that really looked at the link between self-esteem and susceptibility to social influence. Uh-huh. And so, you know, people with or adolescents with um, high levels of self-esteem will be less susceptible to, to yeah, peer pressure. Right, of course. They're more likely to be pressuring others to do things. <laughs> um, but then they're, you know, adolescents with low or, um, you know, self-esteem, like moderate self-esteem even uh, are kind of the most susceptible. So um, that kind of is, is in line with what we're seeing here with Jenna's like being really unsure of herself. And um, that makes her even more susceptible to, to social influence. Yeah, Um, absolutely. Yeah. I love, I love this. You know, when you were saying this, I was getting a flashback. Have you seen that meme where it's like a girl and it's like a woman, but like, in like a puffy coat with her purse and like a water bottle like bouncing and it's like this is me in the back of some like at 15 in the back of someone's car going like <laughs> 90 miles an hour to go get drunk in a field oh my god how am I still alive like the, these kinds of things that like we look at like what we did as teenagers totally it was just like yeah a lot of things of like especially growing up in the midwest people having stories of like the number of times I told my mom I was at a sleepover when I was like passed out in a cornfield alone, like <laughs> just these like horror stories of like, oh my God. Yeah. yeah it makes those stupid eighties. Uh, it's 10 PM. Do you know where your children are? Like question, yeah. like those ads, like uh, maybe they weren't so off base. Totally. Yeah. Well, it's funny too now that we're like on the other side of it because I feel like at the time, like I remember hearing those things because I was usually at home. Totally. Um, Same. And like, <laughs> like we, let's re- let's repeat. We were not cool <laughs> in high school. And I'd be like, oh, so stupid, you know. And now I'm like, good. They should have that. And it, like, what kind of parent isn't already like needs a reminder to be like, where are your kids? I will also say, like, I remember as a teenager thinking it was so ridiculous when I'd hear the parents being like, oh, if you're going to drink, do it in the house. Yeah. Because I can at least have eyes on you. Right. And thinking like, whoa, what a crazy permissive parent. And now I'm like, wait, it makes total sense. That actually makes so much sense to me now, which is different. I mean, yes, there is a a, a bit of enabling, but I do think that there's also something to be said. And this is not this is not based in research, y'all. Maybe one day we'll do that research about teenagers and yeah, drinking yeah. and permissive parents. But but it it is like a real thing of like, oh, no, this is so I would rather have you passed out at my house than have you passed out on a couch somewhere and not knowing what's going to happen to you. Like that, right. I think, is like <laughs> also it opens a conversation to be like, you want to talk about alcohol? Let's talk about alcohol. Yeah. Yeah. And like, like, how How can you support making good choices? Right. Yeah. As opposed to like, la la la, you know, I yeah, don't know. Totally. Yeah. Which I was just a, I was a liar. I was a good liar. I didn't have, any I was a bad liar, but I was a liar. School. Yeah. Same. Um, and I didn't get, I was never a huge mess, but I definitely, sorry, mom, if you're ever listening to this, I definitely, but it's like, it's like school. you lie because, you have to lie. You have to. Yeah, you have to lie. <laughs> You're gonna get murdered if yeah, you, you I don't lie. Been, I would have been in so much trouble. I mean, yeah, I think like having either strict parents or like I was the oldest. Like my parents still talk about how like my senior year they were like, and then you just lost your mind and we had no idea what to do. <laughs> like, oh, that's really funny. Know, yeah, I'm just like the youngest by so many years that by the time I was like, I was also like obviously gay so like but like wasn't out but it was like i was allowed to have sleepovers with girls in high school (laughs) but we had to sleep on the couches in the living room like she wasn't like go and sleep in your bedroom it was like you can have like after prom you can come and stay here but you're sleeping on couches right and like i'm not worried parents were like yeah we're fine with that (laughs) (laughs) yeah nobody's worried (laughs) <laughs> She's got a boyfriend and her guy best friend is, yeah, sure. You know what? Go go on and stay over at JD's. And ask him uh, if he could figure out what kind of perfume it was that that woman had on. Because that was nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyways, back to the research. Yeah, yeah. Research so, is me-search. Totally. Um, but so, you know, I, I think Jenna's behavior, like, makes total sense. And I yeah. think it's interesting, like... 
So we can't really know um, what choices that she made. We just see kind of some of the consequences of those because it's just a time jump from 13 to 30. But I was really interested in like kind of her breakdown when she goes back to her parents' house and has this conversation with her mom about just like regret. Um, And, you know, her mom kind of saying like, no, I don't really, I don't really have regret. Uh, like I've made mistakes, but I, they taught, they, they taught me a lot about like how to not make them again. And like, you know, her parents seem pretty, pretty solid. Um, yeah, they seem pretty solid. And, uh, you know, she's just dealing with essentially like having no memory of making these mistakes and just dealing with the consequences, just feeling a lot of regret. Mm -hmm. And so, Again, I didn't I did not research this as much as I would have liked to, but um I did look at kind of how people experience regret over their lifetime and really, you know, bucket it into just like younger people versus older people. And then also their sense of control over like their regrets, basically. Mm-hmm. And so older people, especially experienced um like low regret if they could attribute low internal control towards their regrets, almost like a reframing it to, to be like, well, there's nothing. And and there's like this sort of life expectancy times uh, aspect to it where like younger people generally feel like they have more time to correct things yeah. and choices that they've made. Whereas older people kind of feel like they don't. And so the more like, adaptive coping strategy as being like well i don't i can't do anything about it anyway so might as well like you know accept it and that's kind of how um that interaction looks right for like people who are older yeah experiencing regret um and then we see the opposite with younger people because there is this perception that there is time to kind of change their outcomes and so they reported you know low regret if they felt really high internal control Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. about, about their regrets. And so we, we see that kind of play out, like the, the mom feeling really at peace with kind of the choices that she's made and, and generally struggling with it. I think maybe if she had had memories of like all the choices she made, she may have, I don't know, but she still was very like, Having a tough moment. Yeah, she, she she was she, trying to rectify a lot of she things. She needed to view her current circumstances under the innocence of her 13-year-old self. Yeah. And that was sort yeah. of the like first, you know, rejecting him in, in that party moment was kind of the first of like a, a series of right bad decisions, it seems, that she or at mm-hmm. least regrettable decisions. Yeah. Um, do you have a lot of regrets? No, I was thinking about that too. Like I a lot of like sad and like s- hard things like have happened and I've um, made a ton of mistakes. Like I feel like a like memory, I think is an adaptive thing. Like I don't, I think I definitely have chosen not to remember a lot of things that happened in my twenties. Like, sure. <laughs> just, like, yeah. Sometimes when I watch like certain things that like, I was ha- talking to a friend about this, like rewatching Girls, for example, which is so cringe because I identified to it, like or related to it when it was on air, and I yeah, was the same. Was I was the cringe. same age. Yeah, and I was like, oh, exactly. And I I had made some of those mistakes, so it was like very um, yeah, it was very cathartic to kind of see it play out on screen, even if it was like, yep, this is horrible. Yeah. Um. And trying to rewatch that show is like so painful. I'm like, no, I very intentionally forgot that. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, but you know, like I, I do think I've learned from every kind of mistake or, or like thing that didn't go the way I thought it was going to go. And I don't feel like I really have any regret. Yeah, I think regret yeah. is like such a, a frame of mind. I feel I feel really similarly. I mean, I I have such profound and like deep love for like my friendships Mm -hmm. that like the idea of like for instance like I got into Pepperdine the same year I got into Miami and I went to Mm -hmm. Miami for a year and then transferred out to Pepperdine yeah and so I essentially like could have just saved myself a year because they were different such different programs I could have essentially saved myself a year but like I wouldn't have our friendship like in that like and like that like I wouldn't have 
I mean, it, from from Miami, there's like a, a small handful of people that like not having them in my life would suck. Like that would yeah. be, or like, you know, when I was acting, I was like, oh, I could have just come here when I was like, I could have just gone to college in LA and started auditioning four years earlier or whatever. And I'm like, you know, my friendships from college, like, yeah, I don't, I'm not a sociologist. I know now it seems like I use my college degree, but when I was a sociology major in college and then became an actor slash dance teacher, you know, I was right. not. And, and again, for those who are psychologists or sociologists, you know, I don't use my sociology degree, <laughs> but <laughs> not, not in such a, not in such a way. I do use a lot of the knowledge and it forms a lot of how I. And you things, also used yeah. a bachelor's degree to like continue down that path. Right. But only because a, a box needed to be checked. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think regret is an interesting thing. I don't, I don't hold a lot of them mostly because I'm like, I did, I know I did my best at the time. Yeah. And it didn't always work out great. Yeah. I think uh, therapy helps too. Therapy really helps. Yeah. Therapy really helps. Um, do you want to hear about what I researched? Yeah. Yours is like, I think more fun. I'm, ex- <laughs> I'm like, let's talk briefly about regret and then yeah. shut that door. Good news, audience. We're done with <laughs> Dr. Boring Witkin's <laughs> info over there. Yuck. Regret. Mm. Self-esteem. Get out of here. Yuck. Uh, not one woman I ever met needed self-esteem. <laughs> What's that, that, that line from first wives club? You're 40, you're, you're 40, 48 years old. What do you need self-esteem for? <laughs> um, anyways, so I, uh, I found a great little article, um, that sort of put together a lot of the different pieces of what the impact of like a first love is and what mm. that looks like. And so we've talked about love um, a few weeks ago. I did like a bunch of fun facts. I love love. I think love is adorable. Mm-hmm. I also think we think about love like the wrong way yeah. a lot as a society. Um, so, you know, we've talked about romantic love and sort of the different, you know, some of the things that we see, right? We know, as we've talked about, like there's the dopamine reward pathway and that love can almost have like an addictive, like, light up a Christmas tree mm-hmm. pattern in our brain, similar to like cocaine. It, it gives us this euphoria, um, you know, and oxytocin, which is considered the love hormone is what's responsible for these like feelings of attachment and intimacy that's released. You know, um, sorry. I, I have one yeah. thought that just occurred to me. We're just talking about a hypersensitive dopaminergic reward system in adolescence, which yeah. is often when first loves happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and so oh, we're going there. Yeah. That that's, that's going to be a factor here. Yes. Big time. Um, and so some of the other like important sort of, uh, contextual things to be, to be considering, right. Is that, um, that norepinephrine is also, which is similar to dopamine is released in the initial stages of love. So that's the like mm. lust, the infatuation, um, can cause us to feel giddy or energized euphoric. Um, uh, another thing that I found that I found really interesting is that apparently uh, in love, serotonin levels drop, which is important to notice uh, because another space in which we see lower serotonin levels is in people diagnosed with obsessive compulsive disorder. Mm, so the idea yeah, that a drop sense. in serotonin can actually cause an obsessive style of thinking yeah. about a person. Which, when it is like reciprocated in teenage love, oh yeah, ooh. it's obsessive for sure. Ooh, yeah. Um, and so the you know what what's interesting? Some of the things we have um, discovered: first love takes longer to heal. So there's something to do with this sort of first like openness, this like particularly this like extra permeability that we have that causes first love to last longer. So Mm -hmm. some of those, and how they're measuring this. So in one of these studies, they measured things like sadness, anger, resentment, and pain, and found that it lasts longer in first love. The first cut is the deepest. The first cut is the deepest. (laughs) Um, But, uh, but one of the other, um, theories is essentially that in a first love uh 
one study has found that uh, by Jefferson Singer found that um, essentially your first love in your autobiographical memory says most people experience what's called like a, a memory bump between 15 and 26. And this mm. bump happens when you're experiencing a lot of kinds of firsts. So the first time you drove a car, had sex, fell in love. And later in life, the, the memories of this 15 to 26 period mm-hmm. uh, have uh, more impact because this is when our memory was at its absolute peak. We remember yeah. the most stuff in this time. And so there's this like imprinting that kind of happens. Uh-huh. Um, not only that, but it's while our brain is trying to figure out the world. So we're always engaging in things like rehearsal and replay, rethinking, reimagining, re-experiencing. Well, that's right? this obsessive part, right? Like that's you're constantly replaying it. Yes, it's the analytic part. Um, and so like looking at these different things, they found that um, because of this, uh, like the the overall brain processing power is what causes the sort of memory peak around 18 years old. Um, and one couples therapist found that the feelings we experience with our first love become a blueprint essentially for how we approach future relationships. So what they're essentially saying is like, whether or not your first love is good, it will become the relationship that you will compare things to forever. Mm. So that doesn't mean you're necessarily going to idealize it, but you will always use it as a statement of comparison, which like, Wow. Like, I mean, I think about my first like love, which I, I put, I'm saying love in quotes for those not watching on YouTube, uh, which is all of you. Um, <laughs> that, uh, that like my first love was like six or eight weeks. And we were like in love. It was a lot of firsts. Um, and I was completely obsessed in like weeks. And I still think about that as my first love. I've dated a lot of people for six weeks and yeah. they don't bubble up. In that my is, like, memory. yeah, I, I mean, all of that rings absolutely true for me as well. Like every single thing that you said, um, my, and mine happened when I was a senior in high school and I don't know if I mentioned this on the podcast. I feel like I told you this, but so I was like, not a cool person. We talked about that, but I, my, like, Again, identif- we were my, not cool. <laughs> my identifier was like the smart one. Right. And so that oh, was like a sure. big part of like who I was and I was um it sounds like humble bragging but like I was salutatorian of my class and I All remember right. my sure. mom my mom and my guidance counselor like conspiring to tell me that I was my grades were slipping and that I was like losing ground and that I was like not going to be salutatorian when when I got my like my first boyfriend and it freaked me out so much that what I was still obsessed. We were still in love and it was still all of that stuff, but we would do homework together. It was like the best grades he's ever had in his whole life. LOL. And I like, yeah, like I held on to whatever, but apparently was also a complete lie that I was like doing fine grade wise, but in my head, like they knew how to <laughs> motivate me, but that this was like the concern because they could see the, the loss of focus or the potential yeah, yeah, yeah. loss of focus. Um, and I was like, nope, we're going to focus harder, but together. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. Your identifier was the smart one. My identifier yeah. was, he, he says he's not gay. <laughs> 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 um, That's adorable. And yeah. so, so truly Joanna, the like, yeah, yeah. I was I, like, um, you're not getting in the way of my dreams, but also I am obsessed with you and we're going <laughs> to. Yeah, I remember in, in, in my first love, uh, I I remember hearing love songs and being like, I get it. Like, I get it now. <laughs> this song is about me. Yeah. Like, just really like being like, I had never understood it from like the intensity of like yeah like it really felt like you could feel the lyrics i can't imagine what i would have done if texting was available at that time Ugh. in my life i would never I ha- we had to go a- i had to go home and then we would talk on the phone and we would aim yeah yeah aim was a big thing but i had texting i i feel like it and T9 it also texting took- like, yeah, yeah, that's that true. really came into like into into vogue in like oh five oh six. Yeah, I will say too, I did not get over him until a minute 
like very long afterwards. Like I yeah. was like, like it was a long time. It was definitely the the longest it took me to get over someone. Oh, the longest it took me to get over someone is never. Oh. Just kidding. Oh, just I was kidding. like, we were just talked about regret. <laughs> no, I'm just, I didn't say I didn't. I didn't say I regretted it. <laughs> uh, no. Um, but yeah, I do think like there's something like so funny to me about that, like that spotlight effect, that like lack of experience, right? It's the first naivete, time, right? Like you don't know, you don't know any better to to have your guard up. Well, and and romantic and physical. Yeah. Love, especially like your first, it's like all of the connectors in your body are all of a sudden turned on at the same time. Yeah. That like is so overwhelming. It is. And intense. And like, I remember like being like, you're going to let, okay, there's a boy who's going to let me, I was also a boy. I was 17. Uh, <laughs> there's, there's a boy who is going to let me kiss him and touch his body on purpose. This is great. Like, this is amazing. <laughs> I, yeah, I remember too, like being 17 and like kissing my first boyfriend and it being like fireworks, you know, how yeah. they talk about in movies. And I like, don't feel like, that's not like a thing that I just feel in every relationship, but it was like, that was every single time. And I was just like, every is time. this what love is like? Because how do people get anything done? How do people get anything done yeah and thank god right that we're yeah. not so obsessive we're not so open-hearted as we move on through our lives because like <laughs> yo i gotta like <laughs> pay bills i have stuff to do i have stuff to do you cannot live <laughs> at the front of my brain all the time that's what's yeah. going on their their frontal lobe hasn't developed so they just fill it with boyfriends <laughs> <laughs> there's extra space up in there that's what those 90s too. bangs used to cover <laughs> Yeah, the the gap the chunky, in their frontal lobe, the chunky highlights. Um, <laughs> no, I I will say too, like that. that I've also used that to the opposite end of extreme, like the opposite extreme of being like justifying relationships where maybe that was like not a thing at all. Like the totally the passion piece and being like, I'm not 17 anymore. Like I have stuff to do, you know, and kind of justifying having. A really, you know, there's a balance basically. There's a balance. You want some some spark, but mm -hmm. you need, you know, if all you have is spark, all it's going to do is set stuff on fire. <laughs> Your whole life is going to burn down. Yeah, which like, no thanks, <laughs> not again. <laughs> I can't afford that. I don't need to learn that lesson a ninth time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, it's real, That's real. Cool. Yeah, I like I liked uh that was good research. Those it's, fun. The, it's like yeah, light lots of it's hormones silly. and yeah. Um should we do you want to hear about our next movie? Yes, I do. Okay, so I picked a movie and it is from the year 2005. Excellent. And there's one tagline um that I'm I'm not certain how good this tagline is going to be in terms of things, but there's there's others. So first one is sometimes the last person on earth you want to be with is the one person you can't be without. Yeah. The okay. Okay. Next one. A romance ahead of its time. Is it um is it a time travel movie? No. Okay, okay, okay. Ahead of its time? But it's of a different time. This holiday season, experience the greatest love story of all time. Is it based on a book? Yes. Is it... Um... <laughs> the person you... Who's the person you don't like who's the one you can't live without? Yeah, this is... Uh... Pride and Prejudice. Yeah! Right? <laughs> Knightley, Pride and Mr. Prejudice. Dar Mr. Darcy. I Mr. have Darcy. never seen this movie or read the book. <gasps> I know. Uh. So I am I am cautiously excited. Jane Austen is a genre of film I, that I just I think I have like Darcy hate though. Like I just I'm like I've dated too many Darcy's. Well, well. 
watch. But the I don't movie. know. Th- yeah, I don't know the story enough. Also, you're attracted to guys. Typically, you're attracted to guys, at least like when you were in your toxic guys phase, which I yeah. met you right at the end of that. That's true. And you were attracted to guys who were like cool. But like shitty. Yeah. Darcy's not cool. Right. Okay. Okay. Darcy's not cool. He's abrupt. Yeah. But he's not. I just feel like I've justified be like, well, he's mean to my face. So at least he's honest, you know? Woof. Yeah. Uh, so why maybe that's why I've I never f- seen. <laughs> face such pride and also such prejudice. That's not in the thing. Yeah, I was um, gonna say it would be that would be very on the nose. Yeah, my favorite thing of especially of casting Kira Knightley in this, and we'll talk about it next week, is uh like the first time they meet, he says basically like I think he says like she's not pretty. <laughs> <laughs> it's freaking Kira Knightley. <laughs> but yeah, I'm actually so excited. I did not know you hadn't seen this or, yeah. or read this. I've done both. It's um, it's actually like a, a point of I feel like people will be surprised, like friends will be surprised because I, I think I've held it in. Yeah, I, I'm not so I'm not open of this too. Yeah. Bridget Jones's Diary. Yep. You never seen yes, that? that? No, I have seen that. That's okay. That's Pride and Prejudice, okay. right? That makes sense. Where of course, you know, while they well, Colin apparently Firth. the screenwriter of Bridget Jones was watching the BBC, uh, ver- like six episode or four episode. Pride and Prejudice miniseries starring Colin Firth when and when she was writing the script. And so she was like, it's gotta be him. He's perfect. Yeah. He's per he's perfect. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that is what we are going to do. Very exciting. Next. Yay. Yay. I'm so excited. I love Jane Austen. I'm excited to dive into this world. Yeah, exactly. Once again, I, I, unfortunately, we're gonna have two movies in a row that don't pass the Bartkin test. <laughs> yeah. Uh 13 going on 30 had almost no characters of color. There was certainly not one two British conversation. Guy. Yeah. And uh and this one definitely not. Yeah. Which also lots to talk about when we when we get into next week, but we will have some very thoughtful and insightful insights and thoughts. So buckle up. So buckle <laughs> up, Buttercup. I have been Dr. JD Barton. And I have been Dr. Joanna Witkin. And this has been another gorgeous episode of Real Psych. Like, rate, subscribe. Try to find us on YouTube. Give it a whirl. (laughs) Give it a shot. (laughs) Give it a shot. And uh, we'll see you next week. We love you. We love you. Bye. Bye.